Luke 15, go to the 11th verse. If you've studied your Bible at all for any amount of time, more than likely you have heard these words of Jesus spoken. I want us to look very carefully at one verse in particular. And this will sort of build off of where we have been the past couple of weeks. God has had us in a season of growth and preparation and inspection and a call to live holy. Last Sunday was a very special day in the life and the heart of our church. It was a moment where collectively we said enough. We came forward and in an act of obedience, we signed a declaration, a document that will go into the record of the church forever, a declaration of war against self, against sin, against wickedness, and a pushing back of spiritual strength. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. And I'm thankful for what God did in that service, and I think that the Lord is really setting Trinity Baptist Church on a trajectory of great things for His glory. And I know if we'll be tender, if we'll be humble, if we'll be faithful, He'll do the heavy lifting. He'll get us all the way through. We just have to do our part and remain faithful. This morning, the 11th verse, the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and He said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, his inheritance. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. The help of the Lord this morning, I want us to continue our thought on personal inspection, personal holiness. And I want us to look here at the warning that was ignored by this young man who belonged at the father's house. Ignoring the warning. Let's pray. Holy Father, in Jesus' name, yet again we come into your presence. Lord, I love services where prayer seems to be so prevalent, where our desire is to communicate with you. And Lord, now through your word and through the Holy Spirit of God, that's exactly what we ask for. God, there is not a person in this room that needs to hear anything from me. But Father, empty me of self, use me as a vessel to preach what you've put in my heart, to point to the truth of the Word of God. Inspect every heart, inspect every life. For everyone that's here today that's struggling, God, I pray that in grace and in mercy, God, that you would encourage them. Lord, for the one that's living in secret sin, Lord, one maybe that's even been attending this church for years and has sat through the services in what seems to be spiritual invisibility. God, I pray that today they would feel the conviction and the compassion of their Holy Father who expects more of them. God, my heart and my desire today is to please you 
and to preach what thus saith the Lord. With our service, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This is a story, and if you are familiar with the story of what we will know as the prodigal son, I want you to raise your hand. Yes, I'm familiar with this story of the prodigal son. Praise the Lord, almost everyone. So this will be easy for you to pick up on where we are and what's happening, and even what the end result of this incredible story is, the fact that the son comes home. But there is for us in this text something that I think we pass over too easily. We're already ready in our minds and in our hearts to put this young man who asked his father for his inheritance, his portion, too early I might add, and he asked for it and we know already where this story winds up. It winds up with the young man in a pig pen. It winds up with the young man eating and consuming the food that the pigs were eating, laying on his belly, rolling around in the mire and the mud with the pigs. We know that there's a good ending here, that this prodigal son, he goes home. We know that the father accepts him back. We know that the father loves him and lavishes him with grace and with mercy, probably that he did not deserve. There is so much here that resembles Winston and who he was. And how many times I have failed God and gone my own way and did things in my own power. And yet he loved me. And yet even before I was born, he knew that I would fail him. He knew that I would be a broken, fractured human being. And he died for me anyway. He loved me. Loved me enough to choose me. Loved me enough to give me a new name. Loved me enough to give me a ring and a robe and choose in the first place. That is the nature of the Father's house. And what you understand and what you must remember from this story that is familiar is that these two boys, the older son and the younger son, lived in a house, in a kingdom, if you will, of great compassion and of great provision. He had everything he could possibly want. No doubt his father had clout in the community. No doubt his father was a great man of great wealth. He would have had fattened calves and land and He was living in a comfortable place. And realize here what has been said. You have to understand what the son has actually said. It's so horrendous. It's so horrible what the younger son has said to the father. He has said, Father, I want what's going to be mine after you're dead. Give me my portion now. There's no difference in this younger son going to his father and saying, I wish you were dead so I could have the money that I think is owed to me. That's where this story really begins. Something was already wrong in the heart of this young man. For him to get to a place where he's willing to look at his father in the eye and say, I want it now. Before you're dead, I I wish I could have it, and I wish you were dead. There's no difference in what he's saying here. Give me my portion now. Such a horrendous thing to say to his father. But I want you to realize that this process of this young man winding up in the pig pen, eating with the swine, did not happen overnight. Him winding up eating with the pigs instead of being at his father's table of great provision did not happen overnight. As a matter of fact, the Bible even tells us that after he is given what he asked for, that there are multiple days that he gathers it up and then days after he departs into a far country. But what I want you to see are the steps on the way 
to the pig pen and the warning that this young man had to ignore. I want you to see the first step the son took was by taking his own life into his own hands. That is the first step. That is the first foot outside of the father's house. Outside of his kingdom, outside of his control, outside of the perfect will of God for your life is when you get into a place where you say, God, I have a better understanding. I have a better motivation. You don't understand what I'm going through. Or, or God, I, I've got to take control over this. I've been praying and I've been seeking your face and nothing has happened. So if you don't mind, get out of my seat and let me see myself in the seat of power for my life. I know better than you do. This is always the first step to anyone who's going to wind up in the pig pen who should not be in the pig pen. You see, this is a son we're talking about. Let's get this very clear who we're speaking about. We're not talking about a pagan. We're not talking about an unbeliever. We're not talking about someone that lives from a far off distant country that does not know the father. We're not talking about someone who doesn't belong at the father's house. We're talking about a son. We're talking about someone who should be at the table for every meal. He belongs in that kingdom. Yet we know the story that he winds up in the pig pen. But the first step is him looking at his father and saying, give me my portion. I'm taking charge in any mess that you ever get yourself in or any mess that you are in right now in your life. If you'll go back, if you'll trace the steps from the pig pen back to that first place, you'll notice that you became more important than the perfect will of God for your life. And if you've ever tasted that perfect will of God, if you've ever been in that moment, you will know when you're out of the perfect will of God. But this is how we get there in the first place. Give me my portion. Uh, let me just throw this in here as a curveball. This is a spoiled brat and he needs a spanking. Amen. Little punk. Go to his daddy who's worked all his life. The sweat of his brow. The blood and the calluses on his hand that's built the kingdom. And he goes to him and says, give me my money. I want, hey, I want my money. I'm in charge now. There's no difference in this attitude. That lives within human beings. Don't look at this young man and say, whoa, what a terrible person. No, Jeremiah says that the human heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all. And maybe you're here today and you're not in a pig pen. Maybe you're here today and you are living consistently for God, reading your Bible and praying, and you're coming to supper every meal at the Father's table. But you better know and you better understand today that your flesh will take you right back to the pig pen and it'll do it faster than you can realize. Guard yourself against your flesh. Guard yourself against your own motivation. Remember, you can lie to yourself. Well, I feel is the most dangerous phrase I hear in a church. I feel. I feel. My emotions, your emotions are connected to flesh. Flesh that is not yet glorified. You can be saved. You can be sanctified. You're still waiting for glorification. And it's the war that we're fighting against the flesh. You can get yourself in a mess and get out of God's will faster than you can even realize. This is where it all started. This is the first step for anyone who winds up in the pig pen. And we're all to guard ourselves from this process that this young man went through. And somehow we start to think that we're smarter than God is. 
I use this analogy often. It's like knocking on the cockpit of a 777 that's at 36,000 feet and you look at the Delta airline pilot and you say, get out of the seat, I'm taking over and you've never even been to flight school. You've never even been to flight school. You don't know what trim is. You don't even know where the landing gear is. You don't even know how to press the little button to ask the flight attendant to bring you a cup of coffee. And you want to fly the plane? Well, you're going to kill yourself. And because you are a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a member of this church, you're going to kill the other people that followed you on the plane in the first place. It comes with consequence. It always comes with consequence. But this young man, he took it a step further. Verse 13 says that riotous living in the far country, this is what he wanted. I told the 8 a.m. service, this is like Pringles in a can. If you have ever popped the top on the original flavor of good fried salty Pringles, especially if you've got a turkey sandwich with Duke's mayonnaise on it, <laughs> not that JFG stuff, no offense. You've eaten your turkey sandwich, it's been good, and now you've popped that can of Pringles. I dare you to eat one. I dare you. That salty, fried goodness. One is not enough. Do you know your flesh works in the same way with sin? It's the proverbial life of Pringle cans. It's one chip and then maybe just a little half stack. Well, I've got a couple of pickles left on my plate here. I need a couple more Pringles to go with my pickles. And, and one has turned into one can. And you're down to that last three or four Pringles that's at the bottom of the can. And you are literally breaking your wrist, causing permanent harm to your body to get those last three Pringles out of that can. That's what sin will do to your life. That first step out, as soon as you come out of the Father's house and you just barely step outside the threshold, then all of a sudden the Pringle factor kicks in and that flesh has to have just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little and next thing you know you're packing up everything you have all the effort of your father's labor all the years of toiling and working and saving and and in love he loves you enough to let you make this mistake because that father doesn't have robots he lets you step out and you go to the far country and just like this young man Riotous living was his desire. That was his Pringle can. His flesh needed more. It wasn't enough just to have the money. Now I've got to go somewhere. I've got to take my inheritance and go live it up. And the father did give him exactly what he asked for. And the truth is, church, you can get what you want. You can get what you want, but you'll have to leave everything that you've had. You can get it. You can keep pushing. You can keep going up against the will of God. And sometimes God will teach you the hardest lesson of your life by giving you exactly what you want. It's a lesson that you, didn't, you shouldn't have to learn. You should just stay at the Father's house and be content. But his Father gave him what he wanted. And he got it. And he left with it. Remember, the road to the pig pen will always be enjoyable for a season. There is pleasure in sin for a season. Be very careful when you tell people that there's no joy, that there's no happiness in living in sin. That's not true. This thing is set up for us to fail. The devil knows who you are. 
The Apostle Paul said he is able to get an advantage over us. He knows he will make it pleasurable on purpose. It can be fun. It can be great. The cars are fast. The money is good. The friends are plenteous. But at some point, that all runs out. It all comes to a fiery crash. And if you've already taken that first step away, or young people, let me say this to you because I've heard it all my life. If you're in your mind, you're planning and you're preparing and you've got a little timer set on your phone for the day you turn 18 or 21 or whatever your timer is set for. And you think you've got your big plan, that you're going to get what's coming to you, that freedom for someone not to tell you what to do. So that you can go and live however you please. Just know, just be willing that if you're willing to take that step, you'll have to be willing to take the next step. And that's that you'll have to have it all taken away. Everything will be stripped from you little by little on the road to the hog pen. Every time. The pig pen, the hog pen will always be waiting. It doesn't have to be an instant thing. We're not talking about one decision that you make today and tomorrow you're at the lowest place ever. That's not how it works. This is a slow faith. We're not talking about people who don't belong to the Father's house. We're talking about people who know better. People who know the truth of the goodness and the mercy of the Father. Yet, somehow they wind up in the pig pen. It's gradual. It's a step-by-step process. And you'll have to be willing to take that next step And have it all taken away because it will all come to an end. Every bit of it. The Bible says that he wasted his substance. What's sad is he doesn't realize it yet, but he's almost there. He's left the father's house. He's taken his inheritance early. He's disrespected his father. He's decided to leave. He's in the far country. And now the party is starting to fade. What seemed to be such a shiny object on the other side of the river, the greener grass on the other side, somehow now already, it just doesn't seem like what it was supposed to be. This is what life outside of the will of God is for anyone who is in the faith. It's a place of emptiness. It's a place of misery. But it wasn't just money that had been taken from this young man. It wasn't just money that he had wasted. Think of the innocence. Think of the innocence of this young man being born and raised and brought into such a loving father's house. His father would have protected him from things that would have come from the far country. His eyes would have never beheld some of the things he's already seen on this road. His ears would have never heard some of the talk and slander against women that that he's already hearing because of the proclivities of the far country. He has been robbed not only of his money, but of his innocence. And you can't get it back. It is the consequence of stepping outside the Father's house in the first place. It'll always scar. It'll always leave its mark. And now he's being robbed of his joy. The security blanket of what the world offers is now evaporating faster than he can count it. Peace is leaving him. You want to see a miserable Christian find a Christian who's outside the will of God trying to live in a place they do not belong. I've been there before. I've been in a place I shouldn't have been as a son of the Most High God. I've sat at a bar before 
and tried to fit in with a crowd that I didn't belong with. You see, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can pretend and you can try and you can come up with cool phrases and be the guy and, and, and have that, you know, kind of, I'm the dude and, and we're all friends and it all works for a little bit. But then it all comes crashing down. You realize that you don't belong there. There's a reason you're so miserable. It's because you shouldn't be at a bar on Friday night. You should be with your friends from church on a Friday night praying for what God could do on Sunday for the pastor and the people. A lot of people are in the far country trying to pretend to be something they're not when really they could come home and be what the Father intended them to be in the first place. And that's sons and daughters who have a place. Then notice verse number 14, and this is where I want us to really land and look at. The Bible says in verse number 14, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. A mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. He began to be in want. You see, true happiness can never be found here in the far country for a son. Never. This is the devil's antidote to what we studied for months in Matthew chapter 5. That one word, blessedness, makarios, inward satisfaction, happiness, joy, what you need to make it through this sin-sick world. And the devil will always have a counterfeit for what God has real. And there will always be an option for you to make to choose to do what's right or to choose to ignore what you know is right and do what makes you happy. That's how this whole thing is set up. But there is a final warning for this young man that comes. And it's not the fact that he's running out of money. It's not the fact that he's wasted his substance. It's the fact that God in mercy and in grace had provincially set up a famine to hit the far country as a nation at the same time that he's going to run out of money. The providence of God held back that famine in that far country until his son was out of money and the party was over. But God loved his son so very much that he was willing to put everyone else in judgment to get the attention of the son who's now living in a land of famine. But the best word in verse number 14 is not famine. The best word in verse number 14 is the word that. That land. That land. There was a famine in that land. Because if you know this story, you know that the son, the prodigal son, returns home. And part of the process is that the father gives him a ring. And the father gives him a robe. And the father gives him new shoes. And the father loves him and embraces him. And then the father says, go find the best cut of steak we have and kill it and roast it for my son is home. The famine was not at the father's house. The famine was in the far country. And if he would just come to his senses and remember what was left in the father's storehouse, all those cattle, all those provisions, all those preparations, he could have come to himself then when he looks around and all his friends from the far country now are hungry just like he is. 
This was the greatest warning he could ever have. Oh, the party was supposed to be great in the far country. We're supposed to be living it up in the far country. I'm supposed to have all the booze I can handle. I'm supposed to have as much weed as I can smoke. There should be women coming and, and, and having fun and we should be partying up and living it up. But now all my friends, they're broke, they're in jail, they're destitute, and they have nothing to offer me anymore. And now I have nothing to offer myself. That is the formula of the far country. Famine all over the land. But the Bible said the famine was in that land. For at the father's house, there was a fatted calf waiting. There was plenty at daddy's house. There was plenty. Sometimes famine comes in a form of judgment. And for this land where obviously riotous living was prevalent, more than likely that's what this was, was the judgment of God. But I'm so thankful that God in grace and mercy will move heaven and earth just to go get one. Just to go get one of His own and bring them back home. But for this son who had come from the father's house, this was his final Warning, and we know that he doesn't listen. He doesn't heed the warning. The pig pen was just right around the corner. But I want you to look at three types of famine that were really happening in his life. It wasn't just the famine of food and money, it was the famine of other things that should have warned this son that it was time to turn around and go home. The first was the famine of fellowship with the father. A son who has been brought up, who is used to fellowship with the father. The moment that fellowship is broken or fractured, nothing can be right in their life. Did you hear what I said? When fellowship with the father is fractured, when something is between you and your father, nothing else can be right. Nothing else can be right. And so many people come to church offices all across the country and they sit down with pastors and they say things like this. My life is in shambles. My job is falling apart. I, I don't know what's wrong with our money. Everything seems to just disappear. Bills that we didn't even know about. We're in debt up to our eyeballs. There's no peace in the home. Could it be that God has in love and in mercy shaken your world and given you a warning and a famine of his fellowship to let you know that you're not within the will of God for his plan for your life? He will get your attention. And the first thing this young man should have realized is just how bad he really missed his father. Well, I wonder what daddy's having for dinner. I wonder how warm the house is from that fire. And he winds up in the pig pen when he didn't have to. The famine of fellowship with the Father. If you're here today and you're in a place where you can't pray, if you're here and you're in a place where sin has taken over, how it has crept in, and there is no fellowship with the Father, it could be that God is giving you this day, this 22nd day, of January to say, you know what? I'm going to heed the warning. I'm tired of this famine. And I'm going to go home. You see, the truth is you do not have to wait to get to the pig pen. 
You don't have to wait till you're at the bottom. You can heed the warning and do what this young man didn't do. And turn around now before it's too late, before more damage is caused. How many more messages are you going to have to hear where God speaks directly to your heart? And in your pride and your rebellion, you just switch it off like it's nothing. There is coming a day where you'll have to answer for leaving his house. The famine of the fellowship with the Father. Secondly, the famine of godly friendship. The famine of godly friendship. Verse number 16, it says this, And he would have fain have filled his belly with a husk that the swine did eat. And here is, here is the devil, here is the world exposed. And no man gave unto him. Nobody. Where's all the friends? If we're riotously living, then there's other people involved. Where did they go? Where are they? They've shut their doors. They've closed their windows. And now they're ignoring. And you're going to the pig pen. And if, listen, if there's something inside of you that's warring, and if there's something inside of you that doesn't want to be around the people that God has put in your life, good godly friends, the moment you start feeling yourself wanting to be away from good godly friendships and be alone more in your thoughts, be alone more in your presence online, live in a way that you can live invisibly, where there's no accountability, I would start raising the red flag and screaming for help and doing what James said and confess your faults one to another. That is the greatest trap the devil ever sets. If I can isolate that one, if I can get them alone, and if no man will feed them, if no man will be their friend, then I can send them to the pig pen. If there's a reason you don't want to be around your friends and you know the reason, there's a reason you can't even come into church without looking for the door as quickly as you possibly can. Maybe it's time for inspection. Maybe it's time to heed the warning, the famine of godly friendship, and go back home to where you belong. Thirdly, there was a famine of focus. The famine that was in that land, in the far country. He should have seen it. He should have seen it. How is it possible that this young man has lived in a land where the availability of whatever it is that would allow him to live riotously has suddenly disappeared at the same time that his own purse has dwindled? And now he's in a place where there's nothing for him and nothing around him. Sometimes we will get so caught up in our own emotion, our own ignorance, and our own blinders that we can't even see what's going on around us. We can't even see that we're unrecognizable to our friends, our family, our spouse. And we've gone to a place where no one wants to be around us because we're miserable in the place that we are and no one wants to talk to us because we take their head off every time we speak. Could it be that there is a warning, a famine of your focus and it's screaming to you today, turn around and go back. Stop going this way because right around the corner is the pig pen. Turn around and go back. The famine of focus. These are the horse blinders of our flesh. These are the horse blinders of pride and rebellion. And what happened is this story goes from bad in the famine and the warning to worse. And this young man ignores the warning and goes 
to the pig pen. And for some of you that are here today, you're living for God, you're in His perfect will to the best of your ability for your life. You're clean before Him to the best of your ability. You're reading your Bible daily, you're praying, you're living for God. But may I invite you, seasoned person that loves the Lord, to always have your guard up as it pertains to your emotions, your wants, and your desires. Because if you're not careful, what could be a 65-year-old saint of God could wind up a 70-year-old occupant of the pig pen. There is no age limit on the pig pen. Gray-haired saints of God can go there just as easily as a young person can. And I know life is tough and I know life is hard, but keep your guard up. Because the plan of Satan is to embarrass the name of the Most High God, to shame Him, drag His name through the mud and put His children in the pig pen. You say, well, I'm in ministry. I'm good. You're in a more precarious situation than those that aren't. People in ministry must fall to their own selves. Their flesh must die and beg God for wisdom and direction in these evil and dark and wicked days. And sometimes the famine of focus is the famine of what's really important. If all you can come to do at church is to watch and to criticize and to find fault and to say, I don't like this and I don't like that, then maybe you need to heed the warning. Turn around and go back. Maybe you're going down a route that's going to wind up being destructive. Maybe your tongue is going to cause damage and harm because you're not paying attention to where you really are with God. You're going to do some real damage. And people will go to the pig pen with you. Our words carry weight. Our actions in this kingdom have consequence. And for us to understand this, you have to understand the context of what Jesus is doing here. These are the words of Jesus in red. Jesus, who is a Jew, teaching to a Jewish audience. And if this younger son had have been that pagan, if he would have been someone that was not a son, there would have been language that could be stronger to describe the situation that he was in in the pig pen. There could have been stronger language. But for Jesus, who is a Jew, speaking to this Jewish audience about a man who is a son, there is no stronger language, there is no stronger depiction of how horrible the pig pen really is for a man to be in a pig pen eating with the swine. The Jew looks at the pig as the most unfilthy, unclean, vile, nasty, disgusting creature on this earth. It's the lowest place a son can wind up. My heart for you today is for you to realize the path that you're on. For you to realize that you have stepped out of the Father's house and maybe even taken a few steps further. Realize the error of your way. Instead of waiting till you're at rock bottom, instead of waiting until you're at that place where suicide is one of the only options you're left with, in love and in mercy, would you turn around now? You sent that first text. She's not your wife. She's not your relative. And you have no business sending her that text message. You sent the first one. For the love of God, stop! Turn around before it's too late. You've got babies at home calling you daddy. 
You got babies at home calling you mama. Teenager, this may have been in COVID this season. May have been your first opportunity to get drunk. May have been your first opportunity to overserve yourself with alcohol and be drunk. Would you please, for the love of God, not allow that to be a stumbling block in your life. Make that the only time you get drunk and turn around. Don't wait till you're in a rehab program and the pastors are praying with your family because of the shattered dreams and hopes and expectations. Turn around now. Don't wait till you're in the pig pen. You'll always have the scars of being there. The taste of the slop in your mouth. The smell of the pig pen is awfully hard to get off of a sun. Choose now to see the warning, to see the famine, and turn around and come home. Put on your ring. Put on your robe. Get victory over sin and live in the Father's house where you belong. You don't have to wait to hit rock bottom to turn around and come home. There's been some preaching going on around here lately where God is calling us as a church to a different place than that which we have been. A deeper understanding of His Word, a deeper love of His Word, a a, a burden for this city, a burden for our families, a challenge to live clean and holy before God consistently. We will never get there while there are some of us who are outside of the Father's house. You can keep playing your game, but you're affecting the whole family. For the love of God, Jesus is coming soon. Get back to the Father's house. There's work to do. Get over your sin, yourself, your wickedness, your rebellion. Some of you are fiery mad right now as I speak. That sin has got a grip in you like a meat hook. And you're dangling and you're swinging and your feet are going back and forth and you're trying your best to push it away, to run away from it. And God the Holy Ghost is exposing it in your heart right now. And you know that you need to turn around today. In love and in compassion with the pleading of the blood of Christ, don't be the example that God has to make to get somebody else's attention. Turn around You've heard truth, you've heard love, you've preached grace and mercy. God has preached it to us year after year and yet we spit in His face. We keep going down the road of our own desire. And my heart is that not a single family member, not a single friend or member of this church would ever wind up back in the pig pen. I'm tired of having to go to the pig pen and pick up broken pieces. I'm tired of going to the pig pen and having to step over shattered dreams and broken expectations for marriages, for children, for grandparents, for the love of God. Heed the warning and turn around. Someone can help me on the piano as we close. Pay attention to the warning and don't ignore it. If there's something in your life that God keeps putting His finger on in your life, And you know and He knows. Would you come to yourself just as this young son did? But would you do it now? Would you do it now? Would you not wait to that place of desolation and brokenness? And do it now. Come home. Come home. You don't have to go all the way down to the pig pen for the Father to rejoice 
the way he did for this son. He'll take you back in today. You see, restoration can begin today. But it's up to you. You have a choice. If God's dealing with your heart, I can't make you live for God. I can't make you do what's right. I can preach until I have no voice. I can yell. I can point to all the things that might happen that probably are going to happen. But at the end of this, you'll have to make a choice. You'll have to make the decision. And the sad part is some of you are so embedded in your sin. There's been so much smoke and fire and flame and you're just looking at it and shrugging your shoulders. Just like he sent famine to the land of the far country. You don't know what God's going to do to get a hold of your attention. Would you heed the warning today and come home? There's work to be done. There's a father that loves you. There's a church family that wants to be here for you. There's a pastor who will do his best to preach the word of God without fear and without favor. Would you just come home? I'm pleading with you. Would you just come back today and turn around? Heed the warning of the word of God. May he add his blessing to what's been preached. The altars are open, every head bowed, every eye closed. How many could say here today with all honesty of heart, Pastor, I'm living for the Lord to the best of my ability. I believe I'm in God's perfect will for my life. And I'm holding this pattern of consistency and holiness for my life. If that's you and you mean it, would you just be man enough, woman enough to raise your hand? That's where I am today. I'm in God's perfect will for my life. That's most of the adults. Is there anyone here that could say, Pastor, if I had to answer honestly before God, there are some things in my life that have got to change today. I realize now I've taken a couple steps outside the Father's house and I need to turn around. I don't want to cause any damage. I don't want to have to pay the price. Is there anyone here to be man enough, woman enough to raise their hand? God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Thank you, men in the back. Thank you, ladies right there in the front. Hands all over the building. God bless you for your honesty. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Hands all over the building. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to open this altar. I want you to come and ask God to give you the help that only He can. We're going to stand all over the building. All those hands that went up, there's some things that you need to change. Some things in life that must turn around today. It's between you and the Lord. But I want you to come. Deacons, would you come help me in the altar? If those that raise their hand will come, there'll be dozens of people in this altar. So deacons, I want you to come. If you raised your hand, I want you to step out in faith and I want you to come. There were hands all over this place, all over, all over. I want you to come. I want you to come. And I want you to give it to the Lord. There were dozens and dozens of hands that went up. You mind the Lord. Brother Arthur is going to sing. 
Christians, you pray as we seek the Lord. You can be seated as these pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for grace and for mercy. God, for love that will not let us go. God, I'm thankful today for the eternal security of salvation. God, the fact that I am a son and forever will be a son of the Most High God. I'm thankful for correction. I'm thankful today for conviction. And Lord, I'm thankful for the Word of God these words of Jesus, this incredible story. God, I pray for every heart, for every mind that's in this service, God, that they would take it and receive it. Lord, for the one that's offended, Lord, I pray that they would investigate the reason of that offense. Lord, I pray that if there be sin, if there be departure, Lord, that they would come home themselves and understand the urgency of the hour. God, for the skeptic, the one that's here to watch and to listen and not here to participate in a heart of prayer and searching. Lord, I pray that you would protect our church. Lord, we want to be right with you. We want to go after your desire for this church. And Lord, this little tight-knit family called Trinity, 
Lord, it belongs to you. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our people, over their lives, over the future of this church. God, you protect us from the wolves. You keep out anyone that would cause harm. You bring in those that you would build the church with as you promised Peter that upon this rock that you would build your church. It belongs to you. Lord, we dedicate this day back to you. We're thankful for the authority and for the confidence that you give us through and by your son, Jesus. Lord, we pray for Pastor Ralph today as he ministers and preaches in another church. We pray that you would bless him, keep him safe on the road. Pray for all of our friends and family that are sick and unable to be here today. For those that are traveling, pray for Pastor Earl as he's preaching in South Carolina. Be with him today. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for our bountiful table of blessing from the word of God that we've had today. It's in Jesus' name the church pray. Amen and amen. Aren't you thankful that God loves you enough to tell you when you're wrong and to tell you when to turn around? That's the God I serve. A God of second, third, fifth, and twelfth chances. I love you. I thank you for praying. I thank you for being attentive. And thank you for being in your place. It's a wonderful thing as we grow together. So much happening. I got a notification this morning on my phone. And it was from the Trinity Baptist app. And it said, good morning. Church is about to begin. It announced the 8 a.m. service and attached was the bulletin. So please make sure that you have the app downloaded. Turn on your notifications. You can have the bulletin before you get to church. Have all of the events, all the links, all from the app. I want to thank Andrew and the media team for their incredible work to get all of that settled and set up. You can watch everything that happens here from the app. Uh, There's all kinds of things that you can do from there. You can give in the app. Uh, So please make sure that you're using that. It's a great service that the church is paying for. Good afternoon. God bless you. See Wednesday morning at 10 and at 6.30. God bless you.